I was literally counting down the minutes till Mars entered Gemini so that I could start this episode because no matter how hard I tried, it just did not want to be made while it was still in Taurus. It was like old vibes. No, no, no. So hello, neighbor. Welcome back to the Palace Beyond. I'm your host, Kat. Um, There is an obvious mild rebranding or renaming of the Cat Beyond podcast to now being the Palace Beyond podcast. Um, I think it's just a slight change and I feel like anybody who's been peeping what I've been up to totally gets it. Like I've had multiple people be like, yeah, completely makes sense. So let me just um, preface like sort of a, a context of why I changed the name of it. Essentially, it came down to that I wanted to truly create a an energetic or astral space and the palace beyond is something that I've had in my mind for years and years um I mean you know maybe like three four something like that and it's this space that I sort of imagine and go to and there's many different like embodiments or or fractals of it. it it looks slightly different depending on what I need from it But it's a place that I can go when I meditate. It's a place that I put all of my clients in when I do, or rather before I do healing work on them, like before we have our session. As soon as somebody books with me, I'm putting them in a palace space to sort of set up their grid. So I think of the palace as just this like divine, heavenly structure that is perfectly geometrically um just absolutely aligned and so perfect that when you're in it it aligns every cell in your body to the way that it naturally would be when it's in harmony so that's you know no big deal or anything but um i wanted this space this this podcast to be held in that space I didn't want it to be the cat beyond podcast where it's like me you're coming to me as a space you're coming to to me as a person I want it to be something that can kind of be like running or functioning when I'm not there when I'm kind of doing my Gemini thing and dipping out for a little bit Um, I want it to be a place that you guys can kind of revisit in your Um, in your mind or in your energy and I just want this to be kind of like a place that we meet you know like I I come to the palace and I'm saying a bunch of things and whoever wants to come can come listen and hang out and take in whatever vibes I've set up for the day so that's just a little bit about uh, why it's the palace beyond podcast Um, if you're not following me on instagram at palace beyond I would suggest it because it's a way that I can give like daily or sometimes weekly tidbits, um, astrological charts in between these podcast episodes. Because there's just like, there's no possible way that I could get into all of the details of a month. And what I love doing is really being in the moment and feeling the vibe and then um, sort of translating it through my own filter and then sharing it with with like the internet basically or you guys. Um I've realized that like to me it's not even so much about having somebody there to see it it's more like I just need to express it or to get it out of me 
and then it's like a bonus if anybody else is there and like witnesses it and resonates with it like that makes me so happy but ultimately I've learned with creative expression it has to be just from this place of like I, I feel so compelled to put something out or just to get something out of me and actually I before this episode I tried like multiple times to record this episode and I even tried um talking about like making a whole episode just about February because I was like well maybe that's what's like kind of holding me back from talking about March is I felt like I needed to out loud process February so I recorded that episode and I re-listened to it you know because of course we re-listen to our podcasts before we post them which is very smart of any podcaster to do um and I listened and I got like a few minutes in and I was like I don't need to post this it it had what I think were a lot of gems, but it was just like, I think ultimately it was just about me needing to say out loud and hear hear my own voice working through things before I could get into March because I don't know how it's been for you guys, but the past, I would say all of February was was challenging. It, it was like a mild trial every day, like there were very few, there were a few moments of um, just really having to dig deep and make decisions from a place that I like could feel, could try to feel good about where it's like I didn't necessarily have good or easy decisions and they were mostly, they weren't so much about like more, like my personal things or, or my business or my life, it was more like connections and relationships with people like family and friends where I was having to really decide about my reactions and and how I felt and like did I have a problem with that person or their actions or was it just about me because it was like nobody did anything wrong to me it was it was something outside of that and I don't want to I don't really want to get into it because it's just like such a long story but no one did anything bad to me it was just like a question of why did why did whatever they did or didn't do make me feel a certain way and like why did that bring up such old stuff that had nothing to do with them so I don't know February was like really weirdly a deep dive which I didn't exactly expect for Aquarius season I mean I know there was so much more going on there but it was like I don't know, compared to the months before, I actually felt like February was one of the most exhausting months I've had in probably like probably like the last year, to be honest. Um, like when I think back on February, I'm like, oh my God, that was that was only one month and like a short month at that. I just remember like early on I did I had to do something that was like very just emotionally exhausting in terms of a conversation I had to have and it went it went well like all things considered but um it was so exhausting and then I like had this day where I like rearranged my whole apartment I got a new piece of furniture from um hospice resale and um and I just like cleaned my apartment like top to bottom in one like one and a half days and then, and then, like, I had another thing the next day, and by the end of that weekend, it was, like, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday had just been so emotionally intense that I felt so, like, (laughs) 
not um not so much glitched out but like you know when like an app on your phone something it's trying too hard to work on something and it just it just like closes it's just like gone it disappears I feel in some ways like that can kind of happen when it's like just this influx of like thing after thing without an opportunity to process it so anyway I I really don't want (laughs) I don't want to dwell on February but I I just felt like sort of mentioning that vibe of where where February has taken me to and how I think it is so important for March because until I was like looking at the two of them together I actually wasn't really acknowledging to myself how tiring and um, emotionally laborious I guess February was for me like I think because each little thing was was not like some groundbreaking terrible thing in my life it was just it was just like a lot of little things anyway so March is this really wonderful opportunity to come out completely different and normally I say that about months that happen during like eclipse season or something that like that but when I was looking at March I was like no nobody's coming out of this month the same like it's not just me there there are very extreme um astrological things happening to my chart this month like just really in intensely pointed things but i but i have noticed that even though some of them are like exactly conjuncting or conjoining things in my chart they're things that even for the collective should be huge like let me just jump to I think the middle of the oh the wow it's at the end of the month I forgot about that but that makes sense so at the end of the month Mars conjuncts the north node at 14 degrees Gemini which is exactly my my sun degree is 14 degrees Gemini so if like it would already have been a big deal for when the north node comes to my sun and it would be a big deal when the Mar when Mars comes to my sun but the fact that they can join on the same day and on my degree, that's just what I mean by like it feels like a very personal month. But that um, that conjunction anyway should be incredibly powerful for everybody because it's like it's almost a um, I don't want to say mimicking because I feel like that makes it seem smaller. But what I was just saying about how the months during eclipse seasons are the kind where I say like we won't come out of this the same like you will not feel like the same person it won't feel like just a month it'll feel like you went through some life altering portal and it makes sense that March would be that because in the final days of March is when we have that extreme conjunction and um, and on the same day, on the 28th, we have an Aries conjunction stellium with Chiron, the Sun, and Venus at 8 degrees of Aries. And because Mars is the tr- traditional ruler of Aries, then that it really doubly, well rather in this case, triply gives power to that Mars conjunct North Node. So um, I know I'm skipping ahead, but it's just because that to me is like, 
one of the the biggest most booming um occurrences coming up in in March and I think it just kind of outlines what this month is about so um, I'll take a picture and I'll find somewhere to post it maybe on my stories or or probably like yeah here's what I'll do whatever post is the one that um that announces that this podcast episode is up it will, if you slide on it, I'll post a picture of my agenda because I just want to see you to see the visual. I've started using the calendar part of my agenda as my like astro- astrological calendar because um, it helps me so much to visually um, contextualize time. Um, I, I find that I need context with a lot of things. I'm a very, I think, abstract person in a lot of ways. Um, maybe it's just like a Gemini thing or our age group or whatever, but I need a lot of context for things to feel grounded. So especially with time just being such a weird, like amorphous um, concept, I guess, I, I love to see it um, on paper. So what you'll see when you look at that photo is that nearly every day of the wait every day yeah every day except two days this month and even then it's kind of questionable every day has a stellium going on in it so from the first to the 15th and this this information should be on um the monthly astrology graphics the infographics so um if you want to put this into your agenda all the information should be there so from the first to yeah to through the fifteenth, the Aquarius stellium that began back in January, it continues and, and it finally ends on the fifteenth because Mercury will leave Aquarius after such a long time, um, and we're finally left with you know, just Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius, which is still huge, still going to feel Aquarius vibes for the rest of the year, for the next, like, three years, honestly. Um, well, and then after that, uh, when, when Saturn leaves Aquarius in a few years, Pluto will very soon after leave Capricorn from its, like, I don't know, like, 16, 18 year stay, something like that. It's, it's been in um, Capricorn since I believe 2008 and I think the year that it switches over is maybe like 2024 or something when Pluto will go into Aquarius and that's going to be a whole like weird mythical animal that nobody's ever even heard of before so anyway um, but yeah my point being we're still going to have strong Aquarius vibes for quite some time um and then even next year, once um, once Jupiter has gone into Pisces, we'll have a period where Mars is in Aquarius, and Mars will meet Saturn in Aquarius, and it'll it'll be uh, a little extra intense. We'll get to that next year, though. So anyway, um, overlapping that Aquarius stellium. On the 8th, we begin a Pisces stellium. Um, oh, so thing, and, it, and it's not because things enter Pisces, it's just because they, um, 
think it's like the the sun neptune and i believe venus all get close enough together that it counts as a stellium so that's going to be from the 8th through the 19th so a good long period of three to four mostly four because once mercury enters um pisces then we'll have four for um for about like five days or so um oh wait no longer than that considerably longer because during that we'll have the new moon in pisces which will be intense and wow even now as i'm speaking i mean that's about that's only a little over a week from now so um yeah so we'll have this it'll be a really intense pisces stellium because of those those four planets um it'll be sun mercury venus and neptune all really teaming up and something let me i made a note about this amber khan had a satsang recently that i attended and she was talking about steliums she said when you have a stelium we veer so hard and like we naturally veer so hard toward that energy of whatever this wherever the stelium is that we don't even realize it's happening when we're doing it until sometimes then we like see an effect of of that action or direction that we've taken and then we can kind of trace it back to that stealing of like oh right didn't even realize because that's like almost my your your automated mode and then something else i was reading about steliums online was that it's a question of which planet will win or like which planet will take lead because even though they're all teaming up it's like it's like a super team right which is why sometimes especially when there's like especially when there's like five planets in something or if there's six um i call it a super stellium i feel like four is still strong but anyway so they're teaming up right but like who's the team leader and what is the sort of predominant energy direction vibe that's being um channeled and and cooperatively participated in by those um those partnering planets so i um i think it depends on everybody's chart is what i would say and i'm gonna have to like i'll tell you when we get closer to that but like with aquarius i would say and generally what i would say is it's usually ironically the further out planets that have um a stronger influence in these steliums so with the aquarius stelium saturn was pretty much still really in charge even um even when the sun even when venus and and mercury and jupiter were all there um saturn is is pretty much like i think it might be because they have such long-term goals if if you will if you want to like anthropomorphize them that a, a further out planet they stay longer in a sign so they have more of um a strategy and a plan because they can take the time to really plot out like okay here's what i'm going to spark in people here's what my goal is here's how i'm going to do it it's almost like um this sounds bad but like emotional manipulation it's more just like manipulation of energy um and i don't necessarily mean that with a like a sentient quality although i definitely like 
am open to that being the case. So with Pisces, then the question is who wins in the Pisces stellium? Well, I'm pretty sure it's naturally Neptune. And what does Neptune want to do? It wants to expand, but like it wants to expand our imagination, our dreams, our ability to step outside of ourselves in an ethereal way. Not quite in the Aquarius collective way because Pisces can kind of go back into this into this self but the self that is a um that is beyond that is above so um like i know a lot of pisces who can be really extroverted in certain like at times when they're with you like you can feel so connected when their energy is connecting to you it's so strong or it can be in, in certain pisces but then when they go into their own version of their hermit mode and i mean like they're on the you know virgo pisces axis so when they go into hermit mode it can be such a complete disconnect because they've gone back into the astral or or into a like a certain part of themselves that that i can't even like put words to where they've gone to really recharge and reset from that like complete primordial soup or like the source the source fluid and I feel like that's a lot of like I wouldn't call cancer or Scorpio source fluid I would say that Pisces is like just this divine liquid maybe like a liquid light if you want to call it that so yeah Neptune wins but um Neptune is so dreamy that it can be really foggy and um and confusing and there can be illusion and um and within that though it's weird because it's not like neptune is purposely doing that it's just that things naturally get murky but neptune does want you to be lucid it wants you to be clear within those fluid um planes so like the way that when you wear goggles in water, it's like, oh, well, this is, this is no different than me looking at air. Like there's a slight different quality, of course. It's still kind of, it's dreamy, it's otherworldly. But you can see very clearly because you have these lenses. So I think that's some of what we're working on um, as we approach this um, Neptune, Sun-Neptune conjunction on the 10th and the 11th. Um, because the sun being in Neptune is really going to shine some some crystalline light. Like, if you were ever, if you've ever swam in the pool in the dark, I I kind of can't. Like I have, but I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I don't have a lot of fears, but swimming in my pool in the dark. I actually this is strange now that I'm thinking about it. I will happily swim in the ocean in the dark. I wouldn't like go out into the middle of the water and swim in the dark. That'd be insane. But like I'll go to the beach, I'll swim out in the dark. I don't have a problem with that. It's spooky, but I love it. But in my pool, because when I was younger, I saw that terrifying episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark where um there's that like red pool monster. Oh my gosh, I can't I can't stand it. I cannot stand it at all. Anyway, whenever I think about it, it freaks me out. So I can't um turn the light. <laughs> I can't swim in a dark pool. Um, sometimes if there are certain people there with me that I feel like really protected by, but anyway, 
So point being, if you've ever tried to swim in the dark, even with the best goggles, which can be mercury, like mercury can mercury can give you clarity and, and insight in certain ways. So mercury entering Pisces, it's it would be like, oh, that could do it. But if there's no sun there, if there's not enough light, it doesn't matter how like how great your goggles are. So the 10th and the 11th, um, really big days. I imagine, and I'm looking forward to it because I feel like February was almost like a buildup of fog. Um, and, and especially once, um, once Venus entered Pisces, when was that? Let me look. Yeah, Venus entered Pisces on the 25th. It was even before that, though. I, I think there are there's so many energies that are beyond just specifics about the planets. Um, and I, I try to really, like, tap into that knowing that, like, sometimes you, no matter how much you could analyze a chart, it's not about the astrology. It's just about this collective energy. And sometimes I even think of astrology as almost like... Mm, almost like the shadow that gets left behind have you ever been in um a science museum where there's that there's like a wall that somehow mimics the movements that you're doing but it's like colored lights and it like shows your shadow but it's a little bit laggy and so sometimes it'll like shine a really bright flash of light and then so where if you move it like retains that little flash of a picture um so it's like the matter is gone you're gone you're not in that space anymore but the um the imprint remains there and so it's almost like when I think of astrology sometimes I think of astrology as just like the imprint rather rather than a cause a cause or like causational or or like there's correlation because it's a like a reflection or an imprint it's so hard to put into words but I see it in my mind where it's like it's um it's evidentiary it's a clue that gives us these these insights but it's not always the cause itself like I just think that there are energies beyond the planetary bodies and beyond our you know beyond our solar system beyond our galaxy um according to some astrologers we are being electrically repatterned, especially with Uranus in Taurus. And I'm inclined to agree with that. And I feel like February was very electric to this point of, you know, electroshock therapy where it like, it's supposed to be healing, but um, it's really not natural. And, and we're not necessarily designed to take on so much electricity. So it's like, we can get a little fried and then like have to come back online so that's some of why it took me a few days to do this podcast one I was like you know I feel like just things will get a lot easier when Mars moves into Gemini but two I feel like especially in that last week of February and especially around the full moon I just felt kind of zapped and drained and and not unhappy in any way well yeah, not, I don't know, it was confusing, it was very Piscean, where I was like, nothing's wrong, but why am I in a mood, you know, um, 
But I feel like over the past two or three days, I've been feeling a bunch of things come back online. And not just from before February, but like from, say, like six months ago, um, eight months ago, a year ago. So I feel, even I even feel some sort of like pre-pandemic vibes coming back in. And one, I'm hoping that means that pandemic is at least to some degree slowly on its way out but two I think it's because I've I've felt reinvigorated to um connect and accomplish more regarding purpose and um and goals and like goal setting um in regard to like what I want to get done before pandemic is actually over because I remember at the beginning it was like oh okay it's gonna be like three four months I'm gonna get like all these big projects that I've been wanting to work on for years I'll get those done and I got some projects done I, I did but there are some of the bigger projects that um just have not done and I feel like really eager to to tackle those things and and even beyond the pandemic this is kind of what I meant about March, like, March is a way of, it's a portal allowing you to change everything about yourself, and I, I'm gonna actually, like, pull this up right now while we're talking, but I remember something that I wrote when I was making the infographics about, yeah, the lunar events, when I, once I've done, like, the, the mathematical, literal part of, the infographics of the astrology of the month where I tell you exactly what's happening and when. Um, then the intuitive part as to like what that means, what that implies for us, that's a part where it just it's just like a channeling and it comes in. And when I look at it and then read over it after I sort of like come back out of that space and it's like me as cat reading what I've written, um it's so interesting to see my own uh, reaction or perspective on what I've just written. So, um, yeah, and to be like, oh my God, I really resonate with that. Like, as if I wasn't the one who wrote it, you know what I mean? Um, So on the 13th, when um, the moon, the sun, and Neptune pretty much all meet up and we have the new moon that day, um... I said that it has to do with intuitive life re-envisioning and that it would use or rather focus on the third eye. So, um, yeah, now that I'm thinking, oh, that's a Saturday. That's great. That's great. I think I'll specifically set aside that Saturday to have really to myself and do a bit of a deep dive especially with Venus conjunct Neptune, I'm I'm really curious to see what comes out of that because that can potentially make things almost, almost, well, here's the thing. Venus and Neptune, especially Venus in Pisces conjunct Neptune in Pisces, Neptune is at, is at home in Pisces and Venus is exalted in Pisces. So the two of them meeting up is like a crescendo of like a galactic orgasm, but in a divine way, not even on the physical level necessarily. It's like the heart 
like the divine plane of the heart feels ecstasy when that happens when when venus conjuncts neptune um so i'm curious what that'll feel like if that'll feel good or if it'll feel like extra foggy or if neptune especially because the sun will have just conjunct it conjuncted neptune if there will still be so much light there that perhaps oh i'm looking at this now it looks like if i'm reading this right venus neptune the sun and the moon will all be within a yeah within a few degrees of each other on um on the 13th so that's going to be a huge huge day um and for everybody again like for pisces especially for anybody with venus in pisces especially especially um and um yeah or pisces moons that'll be a huge a huge day um huge week really for pisces moons so right so what i was saying was like with the sun having just given light and still being quite close enough to continuing continue offering that light and then with the moonlight there as well all really just meeting up around neptune this is exactly what i meant by neptune's running the show in that stelium like neptune's mission is what takes uh precedence so neptune does want us to achieve a state of universal love um but i think it also wants us to understand the balance between being human and being able to love as a human and be loved as a human and then that our divine self is capable of universal love and so as much as possible when our human self can approach anything or any relationship or any any issue or or even an uh um an issue with ourselves or just something that's coming up in our lives um to come at that with an unconditional love that's truly channeled from the heart space as opposed to the head or or the ego um it wants that from us but it's that's not an easy um i don't even want to just say lesson like that's not an easy skill to be able to traverse that thing of of holding on to our humanity and honoring our feelings and and like the difficult aspects and and that we all have our triggers and wounds and and so we can be reactive but then as much as possible being able to able to give unconditional love and grace to ourselves and then those around us in general but especially those who deserve it so like i'm i'm not here to say like that you have to excuse you know something that somebody else has done to you that that you find completely inappropriate no um neptune might not be naturally a good planet in terms of boundaries but i think that every um every sign is obviously like balanced by its opposite so 
Virgo, even though there's a complicated relationship with, with boundaries for Virgos, I find that Virgos themselves, they really do like to compartmentalize and to set boundaries for themselves and for other people. They can be one of those, like one of those signs that if you trespass across what is their boundary, even if they've not explicitly said it, but to them, it's like, it might be obvious. And if you cross that, they might just be done with you if it was like a serious enough boundary. And I get that. And, um, for me, there are certain boundaries I have, of course, where it's like, if you break that once, like I, I can't, um, I can't allow, even if I might like love you or like as a friend or partner or whatever, um, I may love you, but I'm not allowed to like do that to myself to, to put myself around somebody who could cross boundaries where like, I really shouldn't have to have told you that boundary. And I'm, and I say that as somebody who is very generally very vocal about my boundaries, I'm not afraid to politely say what I can and can't do or offer, like what I want, what I'm here for, what doesn't feel good, what does feel good. Like I've had to, because of health issues, I've had to really learn about boundaries. I've had to learn it because I realize how deeply and profoundly it affects me when people violate boundaries that I haven't um, expressed or, or, or like laid down for them. Laid down sounds so serious, but like um, communicated, I think is a better word. So it also comes from realizing that I will give more than I have and then it'll lead me to resenting that person when it's like, well, I didn't tell, if I didn't tell them that I didn't have the energy to do that, then how can I blame them for having asked and me having said yes? It's not on them. So, and it's also some of why I don't easily, um, oh, (laughs) I just heard my cat. I forgot to, um, unplug my keyboard so he oh sorry bud so he just played a little note on the keyboard and I was like what was that note um but yeah setting boundaries is why I don't tend to have a lot of drama with people because I um have told them my boundary and if I haven't told them a boundary and it's not something that like they should know you know like I don't assume that people have ESP so if I haven't told them something and it's like why would I expect them to know that um then I'm very able to be like, okay, well now I can, it gives me this opportunity to communicate my feelings and, um, and even, even like open a space for me to share like things about my past. I don't like, it depends who it is, but to share about things that have triggered me. And so sort of explaining like, okay, while what you did wasn't, you know, wasn't anything wrong with it. I'm just sharing how it, how it made me feel because of like my own history so so I think I've just gotten a really positive feedback loop from how good it is to set boundaries because it makes my relationships so much healthier I think um less prone to drama like less prone to to burnout or exhaustion or frustration or resentment because I just, as long as I'm really sticking to being aware of, of what I 
can do, what I'm comfortable with, what I want, and then communicating that to a person, um, then it's like, okay, well, I can see kind of, do they honor that boundary? Are they respectful of it? Or do they trespass that boundary, in which case something has to be done? But nobody nobody really seems to um, betray my boundaries once I've set them. I'm trying to think, but I, I, it's very, yeah, I would say it's very rare. And nobody, nobody who I would say is like a friend or like a, a close family member really, um, really, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm thinking of like imposes or, or just like, but trespasses where they shouldn't. So I, I think the reason I've gone on this tangent so long is just because Pisces is not a sign naturally known for setting boundaries until they realize that they have to in order to stay healthy and sane and um and just be I don't want to even say protective but just like respectful of their own energy and realizing that while Pisces are are incredibly powerful beings um, they're still in a human body and so they they still have to like tend to their needs and some of the Pisces I know are really so good at at knowing that they need time to do the things that fulfill them and and just like fill their cup and make them feel able to show up for other people and so like when you meet a like a mentally healthy Pisces it's like the most beautiful thing because you're like damn like you know yourself and you know what you can give and you can give a lot and you know how to like sustain yourself and you know when to recuse yourself to recharge and it is like um I don't know when I most Pisces I know yeah I think I was saying that in in this episode yeah that that when they disconnect they really go like they really go far because they're going to such a like high divine place that I think is almost like their natural state um and so maybe it's why it's like it's one of the stereotypes of Pisces for them to have a hard time like being in a human body and a lot of Pisces have substance abuse issues or at least that's the stereotype I will say like the Pisces that I'm closest to don't have that at all but it's because they have really good really good hobbies like really healthy hobbies where you're just like dang like you're actually very responsible with uh with how you treat yourself um and it's also why I said in a a post on Palace Beyond um at some point in the past week or so that I was saying like Pisces is almost like annoyingly responsible like I actually I get almost annoyed at having to acknowledge how responsible and mature an adult Pisces can be because I'm like no we're supposed to be like the dreamy one like my Gemini Gemini side that wants to just like stay in pure fantasy and dream life um and innocence Pisces are so able to go there but but they don't most of them anyway don't lose sight of the real world even if they don't if not all of them like to be in it and certainly like don't enjoy the heavy parts 
but they're they're just very responsible and they know that they don't really have another choice so like um my mom for for example she's a pisces aries cusp i don't know if you're a cusp person or not i am in a certain sense i get why people say what they say like no my mom is definitely an aries by degree and and for sure my mom is on aries but she also has her venus in pisces i can't remember if she has anything else um and and because she's like a zero degree aries i do think there's a big piscean element like when i was younger and i didn't understand astrology i thought she was a pisces um because of where her birthday fell and it wasn't until i learned that you could um literally look up the degrees that I was like, oh my god, my mom is an Aries. That's like made so much sense. because for so long I was always like, she's not a like she doesn't act like a Pisces. <laughs> she, I mean, she does in certain ways, but I was like, no, like she's not a Pisces. Anyway, but she does certainly have her Pisces qualities, and um, I was talking about Venus and Pisces last month, and I was saying how I've now made a few, like I've now gotten closer with a few friends with Venus and Pisces. And I've come to really appreciate the sign. I think it used to be that it had this element of like reminding me of of my mom in a way. So it was like uh, that, you know, the thing where parents are so, <laughs> this is like a first world problem, but where parents can be just so sweet to the point where you're like, oh my God, mom, stop. Like you're embarrassing me. That's almost what Venus in Pisces was for me for a while, where it's like, it was embarrassing because they understand, like, they treat everybody like everybody's soft, you know, like, they, they love everybody like, like, everybody needs to, um, needs to have them be gentle towards them, and I think I really put up a fight for a while, because I was like, no, it's like condescending to think that I need somebody to be gentle to me. Um, but as years went on, I was like, no, I am really soft and I really appreciate how gentle they are with me because, because I don't like harsh vibes and, um, yeah, I just can't, can't deal with anybody who's not going to treat me like a softie because I am. So anyway, so I really have come to appreciate it and just find it like so charming and endearing, um, and did I have a point to any of that? I don't know. Let's move on. I love, I kind of love when I lose my point and then remember that I was, yeah, needed to like get back on track. Um, I remember I was talking about people with Pisces and boundaries and things like that, but I think, I think I made enough of a point. So, um, do we want to go through specific astrology? Okay, let me go to the next stellium. So what I was saying was the Pisces stellium goes till the 19th. There's four planets for most of that week in Pisces. And then the sun moves into Aries on the 20th. And then the next day Venus moves into Aries as well. So we have two planets leaving Pisces quite rapidly and, and entering the first sign of the zodiac. So uh, it's why I said that the 20th would be an intense energy day. I don't know if I said the 21st would be. It will be, but not quite the same. Because the point is, like, on the 20th, not only is it the um, spring equinox, 
but um, it's our astrological new year and it's just an abrupt switch from like if you have four planets in Pisces and then you just drop them all of a sudden for this like real strong harsh fire as exciting as it is and it'll be very renewing and I think very motivating and give us all a lot of energy back that we've all been like kind of drained of over the last year and so like having that fire cardinal fire will be lovely but it's just such a stark contrast that it's like um water and fire together like make hot steam and so when those two switch so rapidly they they sort of merge for a period of time where they like overlap and it's real hot and spicy and just kind of intense so I would I would really suggest kind of cooling it on the 9th 19th to the 21st or so just right around there uh, especially because the, the moon will be in Gemini for that transit um and so anytime that the moon is in Gemini we're getting these like little um touch points to the north node that kind of re realign us I think what I've been calling them is um soul alignment checkpoints and um, they're just an opportunity every month to look at where you're at where you feel your soul is at especially compared to like the the month before when the uh, when the moon was last excuse me in um, in Gemini conjuncting the north node yeah so that's that moon north node thing is on the 20th as well oh yeah it is huh um so then on the 22nd because i think because the sun is moving along quite quickly into aries um as is venus and because chiron is already um there in aries We'll have the Aries stellium beginning on the 22nd and going all the way through the end of March. And I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember if it extends. Yeah, I think I wrote this. Yeah, it extends into the 3rd of April. So we have a solid, like, almost two weeks of an Aries stellium. It never goes above three, which honestly is good news. I, I just, that's about as much as we need, to be honest. Um, but even within that, like Chiron Sun Venus is is intense already. Um, it's, it's a different kind of pairing than what was going on in Aquarius or what was going on in Pisces because... In Aquarius, Saturn as the ruler, Saturn has really like pretty almost austere um, goals in some ways. So it's if it um, hurts you or causes difficulty, it's by it's not that it's by accident, but it's like it was just necessary, but it's not specifically the point. Like it is going to heal stuff in you but in this really like very sturdy, stable, foundational way, even when it's like rocking your foundation, it's like basically telling you like, no, 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 like just hold on, everything's fine. Like we're not doing anything that you can't handle. We're just like redoing everything 
to make it better, but like, don't worry, you're not going to fall off the ground. Like the ground is still there. We're just changing how the foundation works. And then with Pisces, Neptune will make you feel like things are really strange and wonky and like you're having to to refigure and refigure what truth is with Neptune. But Chiron, the whole point of Chiron is to show you where your wounds are. So it's not it's not trying to like it's not an accident when it hurts you. It's like that is its literal point is is to highlight to the point of not having a choice about about dealing with it any wounds or or baggage or triggers that are still holding you back so it's not subtle and it's not it's it's kind in its own way because the intention is is kind but it's it's not soft and it's not gentle and certainly it's not in Chiron, Chiron and Aries. So Chiron and Aries, I've talked about this for probably two years on Instagram. Um, it covers, if you want to like go elementary with it, which I would like to for the sake of this episode, essentially it's wounds about the ego. So it has to do with insecurity, self-esteem, competition, um, how you see yourself, how how powerful or empowered you feel. Do you feel capable of leading your own life? Aries sometimes make good leaders. Yeah, sometimes they can make really good leaders, but but most importantly, they're really good at leading themselves, or most of them are anyway. Um, Aries is another one of those really responsible signs, and it never made sense to me how I could know so many responsible Aries when it's like, you're supposed to be the first sign supposed to be the baby of the zodiac like why (laughs) why are you much more of an adult than me um but no Aries are very very strong stable sturdy reliable dependable people to where you'd almost think they were an earth sign it's it's wild to me um although one friend and I we talk about how a lot of the things associated with any given sign we actually feel like some of those things are wrongly attributed and would more accurately be attributed to the sign like before or after them so like there's a lot of um there's a lot of things that people say are Aries qualities that I see in Pisces and I sometimes even see less of that in Aries and and same with like Taurus to Aries and Gemini to Taurus and especially like and and so on and so on so um anyway Right, so Chiron, Sun, Venus. Um, what I will say is that there is a gentilizing effect that Venus has on Chiron because it's almost like that sweet wife coming in when the husband has done really difficult work of taking, like say it's a husband doctor, not to genderize here, but whatever. Let's just do it for the visual. So it's a husband doctor, and he's been at work all day trying to save lives. Some he has not saved. Some he has saved. He's had some miracles. He's had some breakthroughs. But he knows that even the people that he cured, he had to cut them open. He had to cause them pain. And, and even if it's better in the long run, 
it's not easy to inflict pain on somebody even knowing that it's for their best so it's it's an exhausting job to be to be the one that cures sometimes not not for every situation and it doesn't always have to be like that but I know that a lot of doctors and, and nurses get fatigue just from seeing people in pain even though what keeps them going often is the you know is that is watching people get better and watching the miracles that they're they're able to help make happen but so Chiron can be really exhausted and I, I have no doubt that Chiron who has been in Aries for what like off and on since the beginning of 2018 so off and on for like three years now going back and forth and it's only made it eight degrees like it's exhausting so the sun comes there to first of all energize it but second of all it's going to add a ton of fire so it'll be a sort of ramp up in a reminder of how much healing work we can and therefore should do and then Venus comes in as this gentle, like, kind, supportive, comforting wife of, like, reminding you all of the self-care that you have to do. Whether you are the one healing yourself or you're healing others or you're being healed, whatever it is, that Venus energy says, like, no matter what, you still have to give yourself love and grace and gentleness because none of this is hard in any given year but certainly in in a year like that will be right around the anniversary of quarantine so it's not a coincidence that it's like how many wounds have been brought up for us over the past year of quarantine and how many new wounds and and just these these strange ineffable pains of of like even if even if you haven't lost somebody in a pandemic even if you didn't lose your job you know like even if you have a a relatively stable life i don't feel like anybody has been left unscathed by the trauma and the pain of seeing the world and our friends and our family go through these incredibly difficult times with very few of the social tools to be able to um, soften the heaviness of what it means to be a human on a planet. Like, there's so much life and, and spark that happens when you're around people who bring out light in you and, and who... Um, cause a little bit of a change just a sort of dynamic sparking of a reaction in you that feels good where it's like oh you know I feel kind of inspired by that and I feel like the world's a little bit different today it doesn't feel like the same old thing every day because you hung out with people that you vibe with or or you met some some new people at a party or at the club or or at a bar you know there's so many of those opportunities that we don't have anymore, or at least all of us who are still staying home. Um, and then even if, if you're one of the people who's going out, you know a lot of people who are still quarantined. And so I just don't think that it's quite possible to completely separate yourself from this collective experience of 
destabilization and um and like extreme subconscious and conscious discomfort so that's a another big day the 28th I would say that the 26th through the 30th are all really really intense um but again this entire month there's not a single day that's not intense when I look at this because every single day has a stellium except the 20th and the 21st and the 20th is the spring equinox sun goes into Aries 21st Venus goes into Aries so there's not a single day that really says mm, it's time to relax now but you need to find the days where you can relax the universe isn't going to make you do it necessarily it's not going to tell you it's time but if you don't take if you don't make time to rest and probably quite definitely to be consistent about the tools and and habits and practices that you have that allow you to feel re-nourished and re-energized if you're not keeping on top of that March won't be what it could I still think that you'll come out of the month different I think that's unavoidable because I think that a lot of what's changing is on such a deep um like divine being level that all of us are getting these downloads and upgrades whether we're consciously acting on it or not but this month holds so many opportunities that I think it would be a shame not to be really consciously aware for it so so like going kind of back to that surgery example um I feel like you know those surgeries where you can be awake for them so say say you don't have the awake kind of surgery and you just you go to sleep you have some issue, you go to sleep, you know, they put you to sleep, you have the surgery, you wake up, and they're like, congratulations, we got it all out, you're all good, but one, your body's kind of confused, because your body experienced something that your mind didn't, Um, and so it can be very disconcerting and upsetting for a lot of people when when they have certain procedures under anesthesia, because again, they, they can tell that something's different, but it's it was almost like being you know being kind of like violated and not having a memory of it versus those um those surgeries that you're awake for and on one level it's traumatizing because you're watching yourself be operated on um but on the other level you are because you're consciously taking it in you're able to have the right kind of information so that with time you can process everything that you saw. It was like nothing happened to you against your will. You were there for it and therefore you were in a state of control versus some of the issue that people develop in terms of trauma around surgeries can be that they it was out of their control, that something happened to their body while they were not... Um, cognizant of it or able to protect themselves and so like that like those poor sweet bodies like this is why I would say like every everybody who has surgery 
should should probably go to therapy um but should certainly do body work and energy work because you need to um reconcile those energies and experiences and perspectives between the body and the mind and the soul um same thing honestly like when like even when you have like a breakup like you you need to sort of be real if it was if it was like an important thing to you that that felt deeply I don't mean like every single time you stop dating somebody because like you know but but if you do need it every time you stop dating somebody that's actually okay and now that I think about it probably very healthy to just sort of do like a cleansing experience whether it's on your own you know I don't necessarily mean that you have to book with somebody I'm saying like you should do energy work on your own and if you feel like it's a little bit bigger than than what you want want to do for yourself then then see somebody for it you're welcome to see me um so right so the surgery aspect so it's not just that you are able to witness and so you feel a sense of control it's that you watched what they did and so there's a level of intellectual understanding that allows your body to accept and almost synthesize that action that it witnessed of a doctor really going in and knowing exactly what they're doing on an anatomical level anatomic level um and so it's like you just even if you if you you're not a doctor you witnessed it so your mind is able to be like oh they did this with this and it's supposed to have done this and so therefore yes I will fix it according to how they physically meant for me to fix it I will energetically reconcile and and meet that so again that's some of why surgery can have a traumatic effect on people is because the mind was like well I didn't I wasn't a part of that like I don't know what happened I don't I don't know what we agreed to I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking is my um my settings my state like it's somebody changed things rearranged them while I was out you know and that's um I've I've done body work on people's surgery scars before and it's so intense it doesn't matter how old the scars are one woman I worked on her scar was like 50 years old or so maybe 55 and the amount of emotion that we both felt like pouring out of that scar anyway it was just was really intense and and in that class we learned a lot about um trauma work and um and dealing with with the emotions of people who have gone through surgery so yeah my point is kind of like you can close your eyes and let the universe rearrange things for you but you won't be able to like catch on as quick as if you witness it even if it's painful and you like really want to look away and you're like please just knock me out like this is getting too much I don't want to look I don't want to see just like fix me you know I just I think it's better for you to stare even even if it's painful at what you're looking at it's probably important to be there for it but like I said rest make sure you're filling yourself make sure you are checking in with yourself about what you can afford energetically in terms of time in terms of also in terms of finance in terms of like how your emotions are affecting your your wealth and and financial abundance 
um, and like who and what and how and where bring out of you high vibrational states that bring you to a place of abundance, not just financially, but energetically, and who, what, where, how, why brings you to a state where you just feel closed and unreceptive and um, in a lack mentality. And then again, you have to ask yourself, is it that person or is it my trigger and it just happens to be coming through or mirroring through that person? So now that we've talked about the Aries stelium, um, but, but that's also like aside from the Chiron Sun Venus conjunction part, which is incredibly important, um, just three planets being in Aries does have some to do with sparking this new life that I talked about in terms of on the 13th about re-envisioning that and it's it's sort of a potential to become something that is almost almost your own fantasy of you and your power like it would be a really good idea to meditate on what you look like, feel like, act like, sound like, smell like, all of it, the sense, the senses, when you are a badass in your power or, or a softie in your power, like whatever it is that makes you just feel like you're your true essence. Because Aries is a lot about like original essence So what makes you feel like you're channeling the most you version of yourself? Um, And then because of everything that's going on, Chiron Sun Venus is like, listen, then let's let's cut out everything that's not that. And um, let's offer you some love along the way. So then... um, we have an air trine on the 28th and 29th. We have the full moon in Libra on... Oh, excuse me. On the 28th. Same... This is just going to be like the most intense day I've ever heard... I've ever heard of. I've ever heard of. <laughs> Let me just like list out what's going on. Okay, so like I said, the 28th, Aries stelium with Chiron, Sun, Venus exactly conjunct. Then, across, oh my god, I didn't see that? What? What? How on earth? What? Okay, I can't believe this. This is ridiculous. This is what I mean by, like, astrology. The fabric is just insane. Okay, so, what I, I can't believe I didn't see this. I'm so sorry. Okay, so, that is... Aries conjunction is happening exactly to the degree across from where the full moon is happening that same day. So all of that is happening at once. At at the same, like, probably down to, I don't know, the hour, the minute. Um, Yeah, I guess it would be down to pretty much the minute because the moon doesn't stay in a degree more than two hours, pretty much. So, um... That's so wild. Yeah, the full moon is at 8 degrees Libra. The Aries conjunction is at 8 degrees Aries. Um, 
That's wild. I'll be really excited to share the the astrological chart of that on the day that it happens. I'm I'm excited to take another look at that and I can't believe that I didn't notice it. Um before so the other thing about that day, like as if that weren't enough, as if that weren't absolutely um like earth shattering. That is the exact day that Mars conjuncts the north node at 14 degrees Gemini. And um, and in addition to, which I should get back to you in a sec, but in addition to the moon being in Libra, that moon is then trining, um, mm, ah, here I said it, okay. The moon is trining Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius, and it'll be trying Mars and the North Node in Gemini. Um, and it'll be like starting on the 28th and I think it'll be pretty super strong on the 29th. My goodness, that's wild. Um, yeah, wow. So let's talk just briefly about the Mars North Node thing. I think I'm going to end up talking about that hopefully in a Mars Gemini episode. Um, I generally feel quite connected to Mars, maybe because um, my Mars is in its home sign of Aries. So I I tend to think that people with um, planets in domicile, like, you know, in their home, not so much them not so much the people with um planets in in exalted signs but if you have it in its home sign i find that you can be a bit um influenceable by the transits of that planet like slightly more so or more directly than the collective so like yes everybody is currently as i speak going to be experiencing Mars transiting Gemini. So that affects collective energy and it affects us. But somebody like me with Mars in Aries, I have a really strong feel for each Mars placement. Um, Some more than others because of maybe how they aspect things. But like I remember Mars in Gemini two years ago and it being so enlivening, but I remember really having to watch my t- it wasn't it was kind of like watching my tongue, but it was it was just like watching how reactive I could be and being like kind of humbled by by that like the realization that I can still be triggered, and I mean that was like. Excuse me, I'm getting sleepy. Um, that was before a lot of like triggering stuff happened. So, um, but I'm I'm excited about this one. I don't feel I don't feel like anything negative about it. Um, and I have I feel like I have a plan for it now because I I know how I want to use the energy, which is like really a lot of um expansion and motivation and accomplishment and um just like pedal to the metal with the things that I know I can't believe I just said that (laughs) but 
but with the things that I know are going to like put me in a state of momentum for as long as possible um especially related to all the things that I enjoy doing like I've really been February was one of those months that I was like okay what doesn't feel like work and what are the things that I can do even when I'm going through something and and feeling not so great like you know either physically or emotionally or mentally and some of those are different things like if I'm physically feeling unwell I might have the energy to do something else versus when I'm maybe emotionally um troubled or or unclear I like to do really linear work or something that isn't about tapping into my emotions because it's like I want to let that sort of process have all of the the processing power to work through itself and I don't want my work to be bringing up anything emotional so like when I when I have a week on occasion that I just feel like I can't hold space for a lot of complication I'll just like subtract my availability on my um, my scheduling system so that people can't book with me that week because it's like no I just need to take a week to process to get like aligned and centered and do energy work on myself and during that week I'll just do other um other forms of work I'm going to take a sip of water. I suggest you do the same. And then we're going to wrap up. All right, so let's start wrapping up. Um, I know I really didn't go into a ton of detail about some of the individual transits, but it's like almost like those are moving quietly behind the scenes until they form these meetings. So like this month, it's really the steliums and the conjunctions um, and some of the trines happening that I think you'll find are most affecting you and and being kind of this um overshadowing energy more more important than the fact that things are transiting which um the specifics of those kinds of things are what I'm going to be putting on Palace Beyond so like anytime a planet is transiting I'm going to talk about it um in like little bits um yeah, so I really, I would suggest following me on Instagram at Palace Beyond if you're not already and if you're interested in the, uh, this subject matter, um, it's like this, but just like a candy version of that as opposed to a, a meal or a dessert. Um, and I love being able to just take it day by day. Um, at some point I'll probably do like a few days at a time because I feel like it might be helpful to sort of see your week at a glance um, as opposed to just getting told what the vibe is the day of and feeling a little bit prepared. Like, I know that with certain people, it's like, oh, well, couldn't you have told me this before? So I didn't wake up this way and wonder why. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but I'm just so excited for how I've been exploring and experimenting. I just feel really good, like, about, about where the podcast is going, about where, my creative energy is going and I have other creative projects I want to work on but um I do just feel very thankful for the positive feedback I've received about the podcast it it truly I I, every single time I get positive feedback from anybody 
especially like if it's new people or people I don't know, I feel so humbled and so honored. I can't, I can't even explain it, but, um, yeah, it just means a lot to me because this was really just, and it still is like a little pet project. I, from the beginning, I said I never wanted it, wanted to take it too seriously. Like I, I want to, you know, respect it and treat it well. And I do, but, um, I never wanted it to be anything that was a source of like anxiety or obligation or something like that. Cause it's, at the end of the day, it's just like, I want to chat and talk about the astrology for you and for myself. Cause it's like, um, just like a verbal, um, spoken meditation. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that it resonated with you and helped you out in some form. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful March. We'll get in probably quite shortly. I'm going to record an episode about Mars and Gemini and the sort of plan that you can form around changing your life. Or not not just changing it, but recognizing that all of the little things that you do add up to your life. And so if you start changing those little things, your life changes in noticeable and sometimes very big ways. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I feel like I didn't even, yeah. I'll talk about Mars and the North Node in the Mars and Gemini episode because the two are just inseparably um, related. So I hope that you have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you are in the world. I hope you're taking wonderful care of yourself. Um, If you should happen to feel called to donate to um, this podcast, then you can Venmo me at cat-beyond or DM me and like figure out some other way that works for you. But I hope that um, you have a beautiful March. It can be so good. I think it will require a lot of diligence and energy, commitment to ourselves, and commitment to not getting thrown off of our path and just allowing things that are stuck that we have no control over, allowing them to stay frozen for now until either, you know, something changes where either we can move them or they can move. And anything that is asking our attention, that we really give it our presence and our respect and our time and just kind of knowing the difference there. Um, I, again, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you take care of yourself and have a beautiful month. I love you.